0: Hello, Catholic discussion. This is Bart, and we're back. And today, we're going to talk about, or I'm going to start a series of a few episodes where we go over the history of chant. Right, some of you guys know that Gregorian chant, as Vatican II calls it, is the pride, holds pride of place in the Roman liturgy. But obviously, just like with any music, we can safely assume that the same Gregorian chant that we hear today in a lot of more traditional-leaning churches aren't the same, or isn't the same, uh, as chant being done in Jesus' time, or even Thomas Aquinas' time, or especially in the Old Testament. But today I want to look at the origins of chant, and this is very general, I'm not talking just about Gregorian chant, but sacred music within the Judeo-Christian uh, liturgical tradition. And where we have to look, we have to look, where do we have to look? We have to look back into the Old Testament and into the mindset, the musical mindset of the ancient world. We're going to look at music for the Jews. So kind of to start, and again, right, I want to go through history in these uh, musical series. We're going to go into the early church. We're going to go to uh, the Roman Empire, into uh, Charlemagne, the Middle Ages, and I'm going to hopefully try to go up to now, and why is chant relevant now? But ultimately, what we need to establish first is the sources, or the source of chant, the source of sacred music. Why is sacred music so important? And why was it important for the Jews, uh, for the Old Covenant, for God, and for the Jews establishing their liturgy to worship God, both in the temple, in the synagogue, and even at home? So, in ancient times, what was music now look we don't have a separate word for the hebrew and the greek for the word music we it doesn't exist right back then the mindset was was that the border or the line between speech and music wasn't as clear as it is today back then when you were orating publicly especially say if it was a sacred text it would be done with certain facets and certain uh, qualities of music, such as melody and rhythm, right? So back then, the way that you spoke speeches, or you said speeches essentially, would have had a certain musical quality. And we're going to look at some examples of that. And uh, I'll probably put in a couple of recordings just so you can hear it. But if you look back into... Uh, some old speeches from, say the 40s, 1940s, whether it was like famous dictators or just famous people, even say, for example, MLK's "I have a Dream speech. You will hear that there is a kind of tone to it, that there is a kind of uh, musicality to it. There is a clear rhythm. There is a pitch that he goes. So There's an inflection of pitch. Now, all of that is basically a descendant of that same mindset that when you were speaking publicly, you would include, naturally, a certain method of musicality, right? Whether it was melody, melodic kind of ornaments such as trills or mordents or something like that, and I'll explain those later, or certain rhythms as well. And we see this especially in the ancient world for sacred texts, especially for the Jews, right? So we've established that singing versus speaking, is that distinction isn't that Uh, precise now let's look at worship for the jews the three main things or places of worship are the temple right that gets established then there are two temples because one gets destroyed the first one gets destroyed for right before the babylonian exile excuse me and then secondly in 70 a.d by the romans During the Babylonian exile, since they don't have a temple, where can Jews worship? But they don't have priests to do the sacrifice. So where do they go and worship? They go to a synagogue. wherein it became, if you want to look at it in in our Christian terms, basically the synagogue was a place for uh, the liturgy of the word, where you would study the Torah. What's the Torah? The first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. Uh, It's where you would study. It's where you would read. Um, People would go to school kids would go to school and be you know raised academically speaking by rabbis, which I think is pretty cool um After that, after the temple and the synagogue, we have homes, home ritual for the Sabbath, right, the Shabbat. And Jews do that today, both Orthodox, Reform, and Conservative Jews. They'll get together, the Passover, the Seder meal, right, that there's a liturgy. It's not, right, it's not like casual meal like you eat on a Thursday night. No, there were blessings, there were canticles or songs that were accompanied with that. There was a whole liturgical sequence that went behind that as well. Or was a part of it, should I say, and that became the bedrock for the most important Christian ritual, the Eucharist, especially that of Passover, right? Because we know that the Mass, the the Lord's Supper, was done as a Passover meal. Now I want to look at a couple quotes here. Uh, in the temple, right? Christ, or sorry, not Christ, David. Uh, which is the new? Uh, he is the new Christ. Is the new David, right? In First Chronicles, we read that David and the officers of the army also set apart for the service of the sons of Asaph of Haman and of Jeduthun, who should prophesy with lyres, harps, and cymbals. So now there are regular, rigorously trained musicians that are part of the part of a tribe, right? Of those sons of Asaph, Haman, etc., that are going to basically be leaders in liturgy. And that it's not just, it's not that they're just kind of background music, but they're a very an integral part of liturgy, right? And we start seeing that there are uh, instruments, right? Such as the trumpet, the, har- the, the harp, lyres, and cymbals, right? What kind of texts were sung? The Psalms that's that, honestly that's kind of obvious right like we we know that psalms are or i shouldn't say that it's obvious but if you guys read the psalms there's a music to it because it's poetry and we still sing the psalms right our entrance antiphons um even in more modern parishes right like if you look at the gather hymnal a lot of these songs are based off these hymns are based off certain psalms right now going that's that's in the temple that's what we know is in the temple Now, moving to the synagogue, right? Since the synagogue was a place of gathering for study and prayer, and we established that the temple was a place of sacrifice, it gets a little bit of a different liturgy here. Psalms aren't used as much, but what is read? The Torah. And as we know, the Torah, the first five books, isn't exactly poetic like the Psalms are. So how would you read it, right? There's a very important word that I want to teach you guys. It's called cantillation. Now, cantillation isn't chant, but it's also not speaking. It's somewhere in between. I wish I could show you guys a picture, but if you look at Hebrew you'll see that the actual characters letters are consonants but then there are dots and swirls and little circles and kind of lines below and above it and in between sometimes those are the cons- or sorry those are the vowels but also they found this out in the 19th or early 20th century that in the masoretic texts right the hebrew of, of the pentateuch the torah we find that those were also musical symbols notational signs for ancient Jewish music, and we've studied them enough so that they could be rendered. Now, what would they do? They would read these sacred texts, but not just kind of read it like like we read it, you know, you are praised, O Lord our God and God of our fathers. But it would have sounded something like this, and I'm improvising here right now. You are praised, O Lord our God, and God of our fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob the Great. Right? There is a certain amount of speaking to it, because we need to get to <laughs> we need to get through the text, right? But it's ornamented with a certain musicality, with rhythm. I included some rhythm in there, right? You kind of heard that. But then also there is the melody, the ornamentation, and uh, nah, 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 right? I'm gonna sing you a little excerpt of uh, what what would be an example from the Pentateuch um, and a, a, a rendition of this. So bear with me. <laughs> I could keep going, but you guys kind of get the point that it is chanting in a sense that there's music, but it's not full-blown hymns with keys and uh, you know time signatures and stuff like that. It's somewhere in between, and we see that type of tradition, that method called cantillation, develop especially in the synagogue which I think is super cool right and we still do this if you go to a latin mass and you go and you listen to the epistle especially during a high mass the epistle and the gospels aren't simply read but you could actually appropriately say that they are cantilated so for example if i was starting an epistle it would have sounded like it would it would sound like this and you could actually go online and see this yourself too Lectio epistole beati pali ad Corinthios Fratres. Da, 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 da. Right at certain, there are certain rules even now that we have that might be like hundreds or even a thousand years old, where there are certain musical gestures that you make at the end, right before a a period or a colon, a semicolon. If there is a question, you kind of inflect up, right. So all these kind of uh, gestures that you would find. And this ultimately, like right where we see that in the Mass today, all comes from the Old Testament. Uh, The Old Testament traditions within the temple, but especially the synagogue, since this is where they read the Torah and they studied it. Now moving to the home, this is where we get a little bit of that kind of florid lyricism surrounding the aspect of a meal and right like again i don't want to reduce the mass to just being a meal obviously it's uh, not simply a meal it's also a sacrifice but right but we can't overemphasize the sacrifice of it we also have to acknowledge that it has a historical and practical bedrock or foundation as a meal especially as the fulfillment of the passover meal correct i can hear you say correct now this is this mentality is a little bit more hellenistic Let's go back to the Babylonian exile. These people are in Babylon, modern day Iraq, uh, parts of Greece, parts of Alexandria, right, or sorry, parts of Egypt, modern day Egypt. These are places that are very influenced by the Greeks. So that's what Hellenistic means, influenced. Of of a Greek influence, when they come back to Israel, the remnant right that comes back, they brought a lot of their customs, and one of those customs was that certain celebrations of important feast days or holidays, holy days, right, for the pagans, or say after they they won a war or a, or you know a good battle or someone got married, was that you would share a meal, there would be a feast. They brought that as a way of bringing God and an in assembly into the home. And not just, you know, the whole neighborhood or the whole city meeting once a year or twice a year or every week, but every day, but especially something, in addition to that, sorry, there would be something special at home, especially the Friday evening into the Saturday, which is the Shabbat, the Sabbath, the Holy Day, right, the second commandment. Um, we, that becomes the bedrock for the Eucharist, right? Which I think is so cool to think about, right? Just imagine that the Eucharist isn't just something that kind of like was invented by our Lord in a vacuum or out of nowhere and he just said, well, poof, this is how Christians are going to be worshiping me now, you know, in remembrance of me, do this. No, this was something very special and actually very familiar to the Jew in that it recalled the Passover meal. It recalled the, the exodus, right moses saving by god's power saving the children of israel from captivity from egyptian captivity and now by this meal that we celebrate we celebrate we proclaim your death O lord and 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 profess your resurrection until you come again that's part of the mess, right there Right. So again, it has that original bedrock, even on a musical level, which I explained with cantillation. But on a liturgical level, it has its ultimate foundation in the Passover meal and into Jewish liturgy. With I think, which I think is just so cool to think about that, you know, it's it's not just a collection of random, um, you know, random customs from later Jews or from the Gentiles. We'll talk about that next, right, in the early church in the next segment. But I hope this taught you something because, let's be honest we sometimes forget our own history as Catholics, right? We, we look at our books, we look at our catechism, and we might even forget to read the Old Testament or, you know, a lot of those stories can get, you know, weird and we might not even know them sometimes, right? And so we're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the chosen people, you know, and but whatever. But this is very integral to our liturgical life. As a church, I think it was Pope Pius X that said that we need to we need to have a sense of renewal that we are spiritual Semites. Semites being Jews is that we ultimately have our 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 innermost kind of source as Christians is in the Jewish people. It's in the Jewish faith. It's in the Jewish liturgy, and I hope that right just these fifteen or so minutes that I've been talking, you've been able to understand how. The same musical traditions that we have today, especially with chant, has organically developed, not out of nowhere, and it's not from the Middle Ages, just an invention of the Middle Ages or by Constantine in the 4th century. It ultimately has its origin in Jewish liturgy, in the Jewish liturgical practices of where? The temple, the synagogue, and the home. And they all find their fulfillment in the Eucharist where now the church, the little sea church building, right? The tabernacle becomes both the temple or not just both uh, at the same time, the temple, the synagogue and the home for all the most important meal that we have every week, the most important sacrifice. It's a place of study. It's a place of prayer. It's a place of sacrifice. It's a place of meal. This is the Eucharist. So, Mazel tov to that and uh, go listen to some Jewish music and go listen to some chant and just be in awe and wonder at how awesome the Lord is that he's allowed this flourishing from such a beautiful musical tradition as Jewish, uh, Jewish cantillation practice to let that flourish into what chant is even today and what it has been. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this and please join me next time when we look at the early church and what did the first converts to Christianity do with the craziness of that time and persecution and Gentiles converting. Let's see and join me uh, on what kind of music was done there at the mass. Thank you.